Hi everyone, welcome back to another week of Tudor Talk Time. It's really great to have you all here with us this week, and we're going to be discussing Jane Seymour. Not to be confused with the British American actress. Yes, Jane Seymour. Now, <laughs> okay, honestly, I kind of thought that she was really boring before I did any research. Because she was just kind of like the dead fawn who dies. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't really do much. But, you know, hopefully she's not like that. Well, hopefully prove that notion wrong. Well, I mean, she's she's less interesting than the other ones, but I does that make her boring? I think everybody's interesting. She just has a less dramatic end, but she still had a very fulfilled life. And I mean, it's quite hard to compete, you know, because she's got to do something pretty dramatic to compete with them. So I think we should just kind of start with how she was raised, her birth, all of that. Yeah, so once again, we've got um, similar to Anne. When she was born, nobody knew she was going to be this great thing. So the day, the the year of her birth is um, disputed, but it's um, estimated to be somewhere between 1504 and 1509 that she was born. She was born to Sir John Seymour and Marjorie Wentworth, and they were a relatively wealthy family. The Seymour mm. family was a descendant of Edward III, and as a result, quite a prominent noble family. This also earned them a hundred manors in nineteen different countries and five castles. So Jane was certainly not living a a poor life. Yeah, her. they were definitely very rich. They didn't. Um... I mean, as you can tell, her parents didn't exactly have titles. They, we, Her father was a star, but they were very, like, rich. So that's going to help a bit. And she was most likely born in Wolf Hall, which was their main property in Wiltshire. So if you've heard of the book series Hilary or the TV Mantel. series by Hilary Mantel, that's where that comes from. And I think on her father, he was descended from a man who travelled with William the Conqueror to England under the name of Saint Moore which I think just is like quite coolly then transformed into Seymour. Wow. And I thought that was just quite cool. And he was actually knighted by Henry VII at the Battle of Blackheath. They had 10 children, with an eldest being the son John, and they had really high expectations for him, but then he died. So this was like a huge thing for their parents. They were really upset about this. And Jane actually saw three of her younger siblings die as well of the sweating sickness, which led her to later in life being more kind of conscious of it and being more fearful of it than most people because she saw the impacts that it had on her family. Yeah. And Jane, different to Anne Boleyn and Catherine of Aragon, wasn't extremely well educated. Mm. She was educated as per the norm of a woman really in that era. And for that kind of social standing. Yeah, I mean, she was proficient in household tasks and needlework and gardening, the things she would be expected to do really as a woman. Mm. Um, She's said to have been an excellent embroiderer. Yeah. And after her, you know, after her death and kind of her memory, it said that there's some records that say Henry suddenly began to show an interest in it so it was like it was a very much a like skill she had. She also really liked being outdoors and she became a really good horsewoman and she really enjoyed hunting. Then as she grew up she acted as a lady-in-waiting for Catherine of Aragon and Anne Boleyn. She was moved to Anne's household because she was kind of suspected of having a similar religious view with Catherine and obviously they wanted to suppress that a bit. Yeah um Oh, the fact that she served under both of them as a lady-in-waiting shows that she 
saw both of their downfalls really she saw Anne suddenly rise to power and fall so dramatically whereas Catherine's was slower so she probably saw the towards the end of that she saw that they were so strong-willed that they wouldn't step down from a fight and they got very involved in the politics and stuff which seems to have been their downfall most of the time so well Jane first appeared at court as early as 1529 and the annulment campaign began in 1527 so she was around for practically the entirety of that and witnessed all of it so she's really seen the full breadth of Henry and how he can go from being so in love with somebody to completely disregarding them which I find quite interesting because she still you know followed the path which she did and it did serve her better than the other two and I think because she's seen so often as like quite kind of um mild quite demure in a way we kind of forget maybe she was actually just being tactical because she's seen kind of both the rewards of being close to the king but also the downfalls that were really extreme so it is probably likely that she was playing a bit of a game in that she knew the consequences. Yeah, well, um, Jane's character is quite well recorded as, like, um, demure, as you said. So she banned the French fashion that Anne had introduced um, in her household. She didn't, it was too kind of, wasn't modest enough. Um, so she banned that, so that clearly shows her personality we do have, um, unlike Anne, we do have um, contemporary portraits of her. Um, so we can kind of tell um, a bit better what she looked like. And it's by Hans Holbein, so those are always quite reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, the Spanish ambassador said that she was nothing really to write home about in the yeah. looks department, ironically yeah. writing home. He described her as of middle stature and no great beauty, which... <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's a bit of an L rude, But this description of her actually made people speculate about whether he, about whether she kind of wooed Henry with her virtue and speculated about whether she was actually, yeah, actually a, virgin a virgin when yeah. uh, she married him and basically just suggested that the only reason Henry fell for her was like her skills in the bedroom. <laughs> we also have kind of contrasting views. One from Polydor Virgil, who called, who said she was a woman of the utmost charm, both in appearance and character. And Sir John Russell, who said she was the fairest of all his wives. Yeah. Um, views. I mean, obviously most of them will be, most of them will be biased. I actually think there are quite a few similarities between Anne Boleyn and, and Jane Seymour. For example, when Henry actually first approaches Jane with his advances, she does turn him down. She refuses to become his mistress, similarly to Anne Boleyn. And I always think it's quite interesting how with Anne Boleyn, she's playing a game by refusing him, but with Jane Seymour, she is too pious and too pure to become his mistress. This is the kind of image it gives off. And just to quickly give some background to that, um, it's thought that Henry first kind of Jane first caught his eye when he visited Wolf Hall in the year he married Anne. And the rumours of his attraction didn't start to spread until February the following year. That was when he started to send her letters. And it's really similar to actually how he approached Anne. He would send her love letters. And though they're not quite as graphic... As we discussed in last week's episode. <laughs> yes, they're not quite as graphic as the ones he sent to Anne. But still, undeniably, love letters and attempts for him... Um, attempts of him to get her into his bed but she does refuse and yeah so by 1534 his advances are well on their way but it 
is also the supposed that maybe it was 1535 um, when he visited her father at Wolf Hall. Okay. I think there's also, this is kind of how we can think that maybe she's playing a bit of a game. Author Janet Wertman, who wrote Jane the Queen, said that she believed Jane was desperate to marry and resented her siblings, especially since she wasn't married until 27, which is quite almost a decade older than most women at the time. Yeah, it's Um, it's quite old. Both of her younger sisters were married before her, so you kind of get the impression was Jane not a catch in comparison to her sisters? And did she kind of need a marriage? Yeah. Um, well, you know, similarly, once again, drawing parallels with uh, Anne, she said, I won't be your mistress, but I'll be your wife. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it does appear that you're Anne Elizabeth Woodville. Anne Elizabeth Woodville. Anne Elizabeth Woodville. These women, and all of these women would at some point be um, probably demonised for that mm-hmm. choice, but mm-hmm. in some way or another. But somehow Jane isn't because she doesn't... She's pure. I think Jane's seen as pure, which is just really strange compared to kind of Anne, who was seen as so impure. There was also a story told by Jane Dormer, who was a woman who served under Queen Mary, that Anne had walked in on Jane sitting on the king's knee, and this had caused Anne to miscarry her child. (gasps) It's obviously completely made up, especially since Jane Dormer wasn't born until two years after the miscarriage, (laughs) so she couldn't have seen that. Boo. Boo I mean, that's like one of the only kind of really rumours we have of Jane that is that kind of not pure in a way yeah i mean she's very uh jane's kind of gone for the pr of making herself look <laughs> yeah. um look pure she's got her saying bound to um bound to obey and serve so it makes as in contrast with Anne's, you know the most happy it is very much jane's is very much more to her image that she's trying to put out whereas i feel Anne wasn't too concerned with her image because another reason Jane probably got the image out that she wanted is she she clearly sympathised with Catherine of Aragon. She brought Mary back to court and she tried to get Henry to recognise Mary again. Um, and she built a relationship with her stepdaughter. But obviously I'm saying this from a modern viewpoint. I find it difficult to call Jane this really upstanding woman morally purely because of the fact that she does marry Henry only 11 days after his previous wife is executed. Um, And they're engaged two days after. Yeah, so on May 30th, they were married privately, um, and Anne Boleyn was only executed on May 19th. So it's in the same month that this happened, which I think, I don't know, especially considering Jane would have known Anne Boleyn, would have worked under her yeah served her yeah bound to obey and serve (laughs) Anne for a while like I think there's we know very little about what Jane actually felt about the marriage there's no personal accounts there is kind of they it could have been her family pushing her into the marriage because although they were really wealthy they had they didn't actually have that much political power until Jane provided them with those royal connections yeah and they continued to reap the rewards of her marriage long after her death um so it you know it was um it was very her family benefited from it much more than she did ultimately so really live long enough to see the benefits if there were ever going to be any benefits for her actually before they married in mid-april 1536 edward and anne seymour moved into the apartments at greenwich which had previously belonged to thomas cromwell so i think this just kind of shows that she has a lot of support especially 
against Anne, which people are just kind of so mean about at the time, and they really hate Anne. So she also, she takes Catherine of Aragon's side. The public's just forgotten how much they love her, so they're mm. like, oh, she's a good one then. And I think that kind of helps to show her as this pure good queen because she's so heavily contrasted against Anne, her predecessor. So it's more like because of how bad Anne was, it makes her look even better. Yes. And I think Jane was very much a revert to the ways of Catherine of Aragon to the British people. Catherine of Aragon, while we definitely know her to be this fiery queen outwardly to the public, she was very pious and, and godly, and Jane quite reflected this. She was a Catholic woman. Very openly Catholic, so it may be views of it may be views of a Catholic country viewing, you know, sticking to the religion they believe in rather than changing it as yeah. uh, quite a good and pious thing because Anne was like Anne was pious towards um reformer like the reformist religion but yet it's not remembered she's not remembered as someone who's pious like she put in a lot of work for the church whereas if you look at all the um I mean the two catholic queens there the ones who are remembered as good and pious and all those things she's also seen as this kind of she shows henry that she's really the good queen she gets she obviously restores mary to to his favor and this could kind of say does she not really sympathize with the english reformation or was it just kind of an act of good service actually henry and jane traveled to visit mary and jane gave her a diamond ring which i think is just quite Mm. sweet Mm. and i think she's playing this really good really pure really innocent queen to henry and he he loves it. <laughs> he laps it up. She's not yes. gonna. I mean, she only tries once she's um, once they get married. She only tries to interfere with politics once when she um, she wants the participants of the pilgrimage of grace to be um, pardoned, which once again is showing her uh, Catholic her sympathising with the Catholics. Um, Henry is said to have rejected her by reminding her fate of her predecessors when they tried to meddle in his affairs. So she kind of was like... She got the hint. <laughs> yeah, note taken. And then she just, yeah, she kind of kept to her household. She kept... She was said to be strict and formal with her household. She cut back on any kind of lavish entertainments and extravagance that had been... Um, kind of built up under Anne uh, for the reputation of the Queen's household and she had a very strict decorum as we said she banned French fashions entirely which Anne had introduced. It seems she's trying to kind of back down to where they were before Anne almost. I think obviously the biggest thing the thing she's most remembered for obviously is she gave birth to Edward the future Edward VI on October 12th in 1537. This was obviously huge. This was what Henry had wanted for so long and she's been the first person who can provide that for him. And so obviously he's going to hold her in really high regard, but so is the rest of the country. It's disputed as to whether she may have fell pregnant before and had a miscarriage around Christmas of 30, uh, 1536, but we don't really have any solid evidence. It's just a kind of theory. So this is her. This is Jane's first like recorded pregnancy. And I think with Jane Seymour, she did have a miscarriage it would have been more beneficial to her image to bury it. Whereas mm. without Catherine, it would have really benefited Henry to bring to light these miscarriages and show and the still world yeah, that he they were incapable. Whereas with Jane, that wouldn't really work to yeah. be something yeah. that was well known. But um, 
he was born at Hampton Court Palace, which After, my personal favourite palace. Yeah, personal <laughs> favourite palace. We've been there loads. Um, at two in the morning, obviously there's loads of, we have loads of information of his um, birth because he's the son Henry so <laughs> dearly wanted um, and all that stuff. So it was a, a terrible labour for Jane. It was very long. It lasted um, two days and three nights, which is like, a long labour even for Tudor standards. And she did, um, I think most people think she died in childbirth, but she actually died due to um, like complications with po- like postnatal issues. So she did see her son's christening. Um, you know, she did get to hold him for a few days, <laughs> but um, she died, yeah, with post, as I said, with postnatal they likely would have just called it childbed fever, which is what they grouped all of the women. Any postnatal. Any postnatal death. That was mainly what they mm. called childbed fever. Um, but she died around midnight, two weeks later, only age 28. And well, around. 28. Um, and Henry was heartbroken. Yeah, he took the death really hard. Reportedly, he wore black for months after her death, and he yeah. also waited until 1540 to marry, which two seems years later. not much, but it's by his the, standards. For his standards, it's a lifetime. Yeah. It's said that during his widowerhood, that's when he became obese, swollen, developing diabetes, and his gal got really bad. So, you know, he was meant to be quite attractive when he was a young king, but it's you know, recorded that after Jane's death, that's when he really he really let things go physically. She was also the only wife to be buried with him in the same tomb after his death. The only wife to be given a queen's funeral as well, where Mary, her stepdaughter, acted as the chief mourner, which does show once again the um, the good relationship that Mary and Jane had built together and the bond um it said that she had 29 mourners it's uh there were 29 mourners that followed mary supposedly one for every year of jane's life but it can't be certain <laughs> that she was 29 when she died when it comes to henry and jane i think we can really did he love her in hindsight or did he love her like in the moment like what do we think because obviously he wants to be buried beside he is buried beside her he was laid to rest beside her saying she was his favorite wife <laughs> Um, so do we think that he actually loved her when she was alive or loved her in death because she gave him a son and then yeah I think that he must have loved her he would have known the risk he was taking with executing Anne that it wasn't like an annulment it was an execution and I think he must have realised that he was really tainting his public image by doing so and that marrying Jane was a big decision and I think just the fact that she she gave him an heir that's going to make him love her because he's been trying so long for this and it's something that's so important to him and all his dynastic exploitations. Um, so, yeah, I think he would have loved her. I actually reckon, like, I think he loved her in hindsight. I believe it was in hindsight. I do believe that he was very infatuated with, with Jane, but I do wonder how long it actually would have lasted if Jane had perhaps given birth to a girl or not given birth at all. I wonder if maybe she wouldn't have been immortalised as his perfect queen and perhaps she would have suffered a fate similar to Catherine or Anne or a completely different fate altogether. But And do you think um, if 
he loved her in hindsight, do you think if Edward hadn't survived um, childhood, do you think he would have held her in the same regard or not? Edward? I think he fully would have. Because Edward, oh, Edward sorry, survived sorry. infancy. Do you think if he hadn't survived infancy? Because think about how many Tudor kids didn't survive infancy, right? But I think once the do we think he still would It's not really the fault of the mother. The mother. I think that it wouldn't actually. Well, because Catherine of Aragon had a baby boy who but that was who survived to like a year. Days older. I think if oh, I thought she had one who survived up to a year. No, he lived eight weeks. Um, but yes, I think that he would have remained in love with Jane if. I think that he actually would have been in love with her after the son. I just think prior to that, he maybe was not as in love as he thought he was, but certainly afterwards he was. But I, I do wonder that maybe if the male heir hadn't stuck around. But Jane was still quite young. She had delivered a healthy baby. There was all reason to say she could do it again if she hadn't passed away. So do you think if she hadn't passed, he would have like he would have fallen in love with her? Possibly. Mm, but I think we need to talk about what Jane actually was. You know, was she a poor victim who died of childbed fever, or was she perhaps a little more um, dubious? Was she a little more of a schemer? So shall we start with the victim argument? Yeah. So I think because she was so loyal to Henry, and she was the only one that really kind of, in his eyes, performed her duties well and did what she was meant to do. I think it's almost kind of like a victim stage when because she kind of sacrificed her life for her role and so maybe she could have just been kind of a bit meek and a bit disadvantaged by Henry's choices. I do agree with you but I'm going to play devil's advocate and it would only be fun if you did (laughs) and give the argument for why she's a schemer. Jane did what Anne did essentially she skillfully managed to win the king's heart and she placed her family in high places in court. She married the king. She became the Queen of England. I think we also have to bear in mind the immense propaganda that went on for all of the queens. With Jane, she died. She produced the air. They wanted to make her out this pious queen that birthed the She's heir. the one that Henry is in love with, that yeah, was the most so in love with. So. Their child, they want to be extremely legitimate. And I, it doesn't really affect it if they were in love, but you could say that if it was... A son of love, you know, their darling. Yeah, yeah. Right it gives a better image. Um, but like a Anne, blessing from God. Yeah, with Anne, they would have wanted to make her look really awful and to like justify the execution. Exactly. So I personally do think that if Jane had been executed or annulled, propaganda would have come out making Jane look like Anne or like Catherine, mm. and not as possibly as meek and mild as she. I think probably was yeah i think the idea of her i think her image does slightly come from building like a basis of for edward's reign you know his mother was the ideal queen as opposed to all the previous ones who'd been a bit bit of a pain in his dad's side so it definitely helps i think because she's reported as to be less um this is gonna sound so shallow but because she's reported as less prettier than the previous ones and we do have contemporary art of her so we do know roughly what she would have looked like and she's i mean she's not unattractive but she from the way she dresses as well that's why she doesn't get the title of the seductress because Anne dressed Anne was a lot more promiscuous than her like jane was very like 
um you know she covered up a lot more than Anne and stuff so I think that's partly where it comes from but yeah it was all propaganda I do think the way they're remembered yeah and back on the schema argument she gets she does actually achieve a lot for her family um they have Henry's favor until the end of his reign her brother Edward Seymour becomes regent as Lord Protector during Edward's reign which is obviously a lot of power and her other brother Thomas Seymour was Lord High Admiral from 1547 to 1549 so we have clear evidence of Henry showing them his favor and showing his appreciation for Jane past her death yeah I mean well I mean before when they got married he granted her 104 manors in the four counties as a wedding present so like this kind of stuff would have got passed on to her family yeah so they very much benefited from it i think a point for the victim though is i genuinely believe every woman of that era was a victim in some sense as in they would like even if it's just a victim of the patriarchy like she was she did somewhat fall victim to that like whether it's as bad as some of the others, that's like that's disputable. But I think ultimately every single one of them fell victim to something. Yeah, I think we could potentially vote, but maybe it's better to not label her as one thing or the other, yeah. since there are elements. I, I actually don't know which one I choose. <laughs> that's the thing. Also, like what you said, that every woman was a victim in some way. Every woman had to be a schemer in yeah. some way because to you survive, couldn't, you couldn't physically rise through the ranks as a woman without being a little bit crafty. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I think. Everyone from the time period was a bit of both. Everyone was a victim to the patriarchy, at the least. Um, and so in order to survive and actually have be remembered in history, you will have to be somewhat of a schemer. Is that a conclusion? Are yeah. <laughs> we having with that conclusion? Yep. In agreement? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember to follow our Instagram and our Twitter for updates on Tudor Talk Time. And we hope you had a good time. And we'll see you next week out. on... She did talk time.